Hello, and welcome to Talking Tropes. Are we doing the same pun again? Well, I guess last time we did, um, with great tropes come great responsibility, but since we're doing the Marvel Cinematic Universe, maybe this time it's, you know, when when tropes happen and then the bad things happen, they happen because of you. If you're in Tropel, Peter Parker will be there. I think we just did it. I think we just keep going. Okay, great. I'm Hannah, y'all. I think we got it. <laughs> this is David. And we're still talking about Spider-Man this week. We're still going to be talking about him next week. It's Spider-Man all the way down, folks. Yeah, we can't stop talking about that little creepy crawly dude. That good old Peter E. Parker. Well, because, like, he's just become a huge part of our culture. Like, even more, it seems like, than Batman nowadays. Oh, yeah. Like, I think Batman still has more total movies, but... But, like, Spider-Man's got him beat in terms of cultural relevance right now. Oh, yeah. Like, who saw fucking Zack Snyder's Batman, like, versus Superman? No one, approximately? Actually, a lot of people no. did, but everyone, but everyone hated, hated it, it universally. <laughs> but now we got, we've got, like, three Spider-Man-related movies in a row where pretty much everyone's like, I enjoy this. Yeah, these are great. <laughs> these, are, these are my, in my top five Two of them are my top two. We both agree <laughs> that Venom comes in at number four. So why don't we start there? Let's start with Venom, because I saw Venom for the first time very, very recently. Um, same, same. It's just the best, like, it's, it, it's like so not a movie. Fun. It's like a trailer for a movie that didn't <laughs> actually get made. Or it kind of reminds me of, like, fan films. Yeah. You know? But, like, with a budget? <laughs> yeah. Maybe they're not quite understanding why you're like, it's not a movie. Because, like, I think it's a movie. I just don't think it's, like... Well, doesn't it feel, like, kind of half-baked? Yeah, a little bit. It's like, you know, there's this character, right? And, like, they don't really take the time to define, like, this character. There's not, like, a, like a long first act where... You really get to know no, him. No, it's a very short first act. He's just like he's just like going in. And he's like, I'm a reporter. I, I do reporter things. That's what I care about. I'm a reporter. I'm I'm a vice reporter, basically. Can, can you do the Tom Hardy voice? Oh no, it's impossible. His accent is all <laughs> like, what over is that the place. <laughs> it's all over the place in this one. He's like, it's me. I'm, it's me. I'm Tom Hardy. I'm a I'm a I'm a reporter. I'm a reporter playing for Tom Hardy. <laughs> It's just like he's so clearly trying to move his mouth in a way so that British noises don't come out. And it's it's so distracting, but I love it. I had, a, it like, I had an alien monster <laughs> up my ass. Uh, yeah. Um, he had an alien monster up his ass, too. Venom is a fucking delight in this movie. Which, like, is good. It, he's also played by Tom Hardy, right? I'm not sure. Probably. <laughs> Look it up real quick. You, you keep talking. Yeah. Um. Like, I think for me, like, you you like Venom a lot in Spider-Man 3. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, he's a, I think he's a treasure. Yeah. But, like, Venom himself doesn't really have a personality in that one. Um, no, because you don't get of... to hear the inner monologue. Yeah, right. you're absolutely right. Yeah, like Venom is just sort of this like corrupting force. Um, exactly. And in this movie, he's a character. And personally, oh, I really so. like that. And and I think it's super fun. And he's a great character because... I mean, it's Tom Hardy playing off of himself. I looked it up. Yeah. It is Venom is Tom Hardy as great. well. Love it. <laughs> but, but the thing that I love is that 
the reason they bond and the reason Venom doesn't want to destroy the Earth because he's part of this, like, invading alien force, basically, is because he's like, hey, you're a loser. And back on my home planet, I'm kind of a loser. But together, we're kind of great. That's why I'd say, like, it feels kind of half-baked. Like, they never had a scene wherein Venom, like, changes his mind about about Eddie. Yeah, he just sort of, like, says it. He's just like, you know what? I decided Instead of killing you, I'm going to be your best friend because yeah. I love living up your ass. <laughs> you really like that ass. It's what they keep, they said it like twice in the same scene. <laughs> and he says it's so weird. He, he like he like growls it out. Yeah. Because he's like being tortured, I guess. But it's just like, I, I do also it's like a great line. how like fucking honorable to a fault. Eddie is in this film a little bit like what do you mean honorable well maybe not honorable but like he's got his principles and like even when it keeps fucking him over again and again he's like I gotta tell the story or I gotta help people (laughs) and like he's a reporter at heart yeah like I don't know it was I I liked it like it it felt yeah there was one thing I liked I liked the way he was infected yeah. I thought that was like a really character defining moment yeah. that he like he's got to help out his like homeless friend. Yeah, I thought that I thought that was great, and I think it was like established really well. Um, and I think that like the way that people like get infected by the symbiotes in this, like I also really liked that it can't. It literally can't survive without some kind of host, um, and it has to be able to sort of like. But it's so ill-defined. Like that's sure. the thing is like with the symbiote. But like, it's do like... they need to define it that much? Like no, whatever. but like at the same time, it's like I'll die if you die. Well, I can probably infect pretty much any other person, but, but... if you're not a perfect match, they'll die quickly-ish, but you can probably get to the next person quickly enough. Yeah. I did really like also Eddie's ex-girlfriend's boyfriend in this. Like, normally that character is like... Dan Egan from Veep? Yeah. Um, like, I feel like normally... Who's also named Dan. It's it's weird. He's just playing... Yeah, his character's name is Dan... The Lewis. boyfriend. Dan the doctor. Yeah. Dr. Dan. Um, I, I like Dr. Dan because I feel like normally that character is going to be an asshole, but he really is just kind of a well-meaning guy who's like, Eddie, you're dying. <laughs> Can I help? I mean, he's a doctor. Yeah, he's, yeah. But it's, he's still just like, you know, he's a, he's fake, you know, he's just so normal. He's, he's not playing like the asshole boyfriend mm-hmm. from those, those kind of rom-coms. Yeah. He's playing the boring boyfriend when you really want to be with the bad boy. You oh, want to okay. be with the bad boy who eats people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be This in guy the eats people and it's like totally unexplored how like he's got to eat the people to stay alive. But like... Also, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he can just eat tater tots. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Um, So poorly defined. So half-baked. But so fun. Like, every part of this movie was so fun. Like, I was not bored at all while watching this, you know? Right. Like, I was thoroughly entertained. Like, it was the fucking, like, Coliseum, man. Well, I mean, like, do you want to dive into, like, some of the tropes? I'm bringing up, like, the, the TV tropes page for this sure. one. Sure. Um, so, like, one of the things that they have, it's the first one listed alphabetically. It's aborted arc, which <laughs> okay. is, like, 
so true of this movie is just that like yeah. there's so many things that just go nowhere the elon um, musk character who's like whole right like his motivations become completely irrelevant because he gets eaten by a you know by a venom monster named riot who like we never get to hear his inner monologue like what is i guess or i guess we hear it once where it's like you're a loser on our planet <laughs> stay out of my way yeah it's just like, ugh, I don't even know. Um, and then there's uh, there, there's always, like, a fun thing with, like, you gotta see Venom if he had boobs, right? Yeah, sexy Venom. We did get sexy Venom. You gotta get sexy Venom. And then transferred via makeout kiss. And, like, she's not, like, big and muscly the way that, I know, like, which is Tom Hardy is. is. Missed opportunity. Like, way sexier than fucking... Just like, like big sexier, maybe, but like definitely more of like a power trip and definitely like more like awesome. T- like, imagine that she's like five, you know, seven foot tall, yeah, and just picks up Be- Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. And like, the kiss is more like I'm just like <laughs> grabbing you and eating your face off. <laughs> That'd yeah. be best. Um, then there's there's a trope listed here that's the evolutionary biologist. It's like evolutionary biologist, but they're evil. Uh-huh. Um, and that's like that's what Dr. Drake is like, because he's like, this is the next step in human evolution. We're going to go into space. And that's like such a boring motivation. But like, I guess it kind of makes sense. Yeah. There's also like uh, the, they, they reference the heel face turn. Which is mm-hmm. just when Venom switches switches from bad to good. Heel face turns are like pretty common in uh, superhero movies, where like a, a villain just suddenly switches to the good side. It happened in like Age of Ultron with the the Romanoff twins, or yeah, what are they called? The um, oh not the twins, Romanoff. the twins, the super powered people in Ultron, Scarlet Witch, and yeah, Quicksilver. But in whatever. this one, it's like particularly bad because there's just no motivation for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, one thing that I, I actually, I really liked, um, and TV tropes list as men act, women are, which like, I don't know about that name. Um, but it's when they do the thing where it's like, no, you can't go to the battlefield cause it's, it'll get ugly. Um, but then like Venom says to Anne, um, the girlfriend, but then Anne and, her, and Eddie are both like, I don't know. She's pretty good at a fight. Um, yeah. and it's, it's actually subverted in the climax where she like saves their asses by like yeah. blasting like music or like screeching, uh, to fuck up with. Yeah. I mean, it's symbiote. not too different from like in amazing Spider-Man two when Gwen sort of like helps from the sidelines. That's while true. The real hero is fighting. Yeah. I don't know. But, but I like it. I like that in amazing Spider-Man too. Sure. Like, I, I don't know. It works. Oh yeah. There's one, there's one trope that's just called, Ooh, my accent slipping. <laughs> which is just so true of Tom Hardy's like, uh-huh. stupid voice. It's so good. Uh, yeah, um, not a trope, but I do kind of want to talk about Jenny Slate's character a little bit. Well, she's kind of a trope. She's like a put upon, like the, the put upon scientist, scientist assistant. Yeah, who was like, I was just doing it to try to do my science, but now I know it's evil. Help! She should have got out of there a long fucking time a ago. A long fucking time ago. But also, like, I was so disappointed that she died i don't know why i don't even see that she died i did that happen like in like a a scene 
later in the movie? I don't even remember it. The actual death happens off screen. Okay. But they, like, leave her in the room with the symbiote, and it, like, comes at her, and then we cut away. And then later we see her dead body, and the symbiote has also died, which happens so that um, Venom is sort of the only other symbiote left besides, like, the one that got away. Right. Um, which, like, okay, fair enough. It gives them, like, an even stronger reason to have to go after Eddie. However, I wanted her to just become, like, evil, badass, like, scary lady, symbiote woman. I don't know. Like, why aren't there a million of these things running around? The yes. answer is because we're waiting for the sequel, but, like... But, like, you introduced all of them in this one. Like, just have a trillion of them run around, and then the sequel is, like, hunting them down. I don't know. Like, it could have happened. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's It's rough. The whole thing with, like... <laughs> it's like a liver transplant. Yeah. What? Because, like, these aliens have human DNA that has to uh, match to a specific human? Like, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Uh-uh. So, like, the science is all half-baked. The plot is completely half-baked. The character arc is 100% half-baked. Yeah. Like, like, what's Eddie's, like, arc in this movie? Oh, it's nothing. He's, like, disgraced, and then he gets a best friend. Like, it's supposed to be, like, he was too, you know, he... He was, he, he, you know, he's too, he's too sure of himself. He needs to learn to, like, apologize, I guess, because there's that one apology scene. But then he doesn't really. I mean, he apologized. Well, he said, he, I'm sorry for everything I did. But that's not, like, the arc. Like, that's not the climax of the film. It's not about him apologizing. Like, it doesn't hinge on whether or not he apologizes. Like... I guess, like, you know, if you look at it sort of psychoanalytically... Venom is the id, you know, he wants yes. to eat, he wants to fuck, he wants mm-hmm. to, you know, express his own feelings. Yeah. Um, but he's also a symbol of, like, self-doubt, because he keeps calling, um, you know, calling Eddie like a pussy. Mm-hmm. And saying, jump, pussy, jump! <laughs> Do it! And then, like, by the end of the movie, I guess, like, you know, Eddie is sure of himself. Yeah, yeah. That's... But was that his problem in the beginning of the movie? No, because he, he seemed was pretty too fucking sure, sure of, himself. of himself. Yeah, I absolutely agree. His arc, there's not an arc. It's just fun. This movie's just fun. Yeah. Like, in the same way that you have, like, Amazing Spider Man 2 kind of up there on your list because. But that movie has an arc. Th- you're right. Like, that, it's that very movie clear has an and well defined. This movie does not. It just, it's just a collection of it scenes. It does not. But in the. In the same way that you're willing, <laughs> you're you're willing to excuse that because it it gave you like it had emotional depth for you and like, right. You well, I'm always that. very clear about what I care about. You yeah. know, these are the things I care about. I care about character arcs. I care about emotional truth, and I care about you know. Um, I care about structure. Those are the three things that I care about. This movie has like no character arcs and no structure. <laughs> So I don't know where to put it on the list because no. it is fun and it is so dumb that it's enjoyable, it's, but it doesn't have the things that I need for a th- for it to be called a movie. Yeah, and and I don't know. I I I I think I would agree with you. I think I also find it more enjoyable than um like the Sam Raimi films, which is why it appears as fourth on my list. Um. So yeah, yeah. I think I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's just because it's not trying to be a movie. It's just like a fan film. Yeah. That's what I mean is like fan filmy. Like there's just like a lot of visual fun and just like weird dialogue 
that just kind of comes out of nowhere and and like Eddie will say something like 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 someone someone will say there's aliens and he'd be like you mean like ET phone home aliens yeah and he's like you don't even sound like ET what the fuck are you doing yeah oh, it's too much this film is too much um, <laughs> it's great I love it everyone go watch there's, Venom oh god there's one line where where he says to the villain. Did your mama not love you? <laughs> Which that is like is such weird. a like a non insult. It like this movie isn't even scripted. Like what the fuck is it? It's a fucking beautiful mess is what it is. Um, and like the have a nice life as like the running gag is like they'll say have a nice yeah. life right before they die. I did kind of like that. Like it's dumb, but I liked it. It works, man. Cause like, oh, it's like it's not even shot right. So like, if you if like if I was directing this movie and I'm not a director, but like uh-huh. even I get this like basic shit. It's like the scene where his boss tells him have a nice life. There should be like a close up and like a knowing look that he's like, oh, I get it. The reason why you said have a nice life is because you're in the pocket of Big Drake. Mm. Yeah. But that they don't do that. It's, like, kind of glanced over that, like, these two people just kind of happen to have the same taste in words. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what else to say about Venom. (laughs) I got got one more thing to say. Just one more thing and then we'll move on from Venom. All right. So, they do... Have you ever seen Catwoman? No. Okay, so there's this movie Catwoman and it's the greatest movie ever made. I, okay, wow. Um, and Halle Berry. I feel like you were like, in the minority population there, but go on. No, Catwoman's awful. I mean, it's not a good movie, but there's some truly like visionary scenes. Uh-huh. Like in superhero movies, there's like always this scene where there's like somebody playing loud music across the hall. Oh. You know this uh, trope? Yeah, and then they come over and fuck them up. And then once they're actualized because they've taken on the badass within, they've unleashed the beast, then they can go over and be like, stop playing that music. And then they, I feel they're like, like it's just like man. relatable shorthand for anyone who's ever lived in like a dorm or an apartment or like with But not just that. It's also relatable shorthand for everyone who's never lived in an apartment, but just who feels a lack of power in their life. Mm. This movie is for people who just feel like, Sometimes I wish I could just fucking eat people. (laughs) (laughs) All right, there you go. Yeah, why not? That's what Venom is. That's what it is about. It's a power fantasy. Like the most pure, pure, literally nothing else in this movie but power fantasy. I want to stick it to Elon Musk and his stupid SpaceX bullshit because he's (laughs) killing homeless people to do it. He's doing it. He's killing those homeless and people. And I'm going to eat him now. And it's great. What do you what, what do you think rocket fuel is made out of? It's made out of homeless people. I mean, probably. It's hard to connect Venom to either of the other two movies no. that we're going to talk about today. It's It feels almost impossible <laughs> a little bit. So, like, what we can say is basically that these other two movies are also, like, a power fantasy, but they're... Well, I mean, all like, superhero movies are. <laughs> Venom's yeah. just like well, the, the purest yeah, distillation so of it. Right. I mean, I think Homecoming and Spider-Verse, they're more just playing into our knowledge of the Spider-Man universe. Totally. Whereas Venom is specifically trying to stay out of the Spider-Man universe to the point where they can't mention the name Spider-Man. Spider-Man. No yeah. one in the movie Venom goes like, 
hey, that guy looks like a big black Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. Um, in fact, I don't think they really reference any other superheroes or anything like that in the film. No, because it's its own cinematic universe. It's the Venom cinematic universe. Yeah. I mean, it literally is. They're starting another cinematic universe, which, like, good luck, Sony. I wish you the best. Um, well, they're making a sequel. I don't know if they're ever going to do the Sinister Six movie. I think they gave up on that. I mean, maybe. They might at least try doing another one of them. We'll see. Um, maybe. But, like... I, I I like that point because I think it leads into Spider-Verse really nicely um, because I don't think this is a movie that could have been made like in 2002, you know? It absolutely could not. Yeah. you. It really requires, first of all, I mean, there's a ton of reference to every Spider-Man movie that's come out. Yeah. And Superman, or not Superman, but like superhero movies in general. Right. But also it's just... There's so much packed into this movie mm-hmm. to the point where you find yourself like forgetting scenes that you saw and remembering scenes that you didn't see. What do you mean because... by that? So like there, there's so many references to like movies outside of this specific film that I swear to God, like I can kind of remember a scene with like Aunt May and Peter that didn't actually happen. It's just from one of the other Spider-Man movies that I saw on Whoa. rewatch. <laughs> oh my but gosh. it just feels like so much of a part of like this connected universe of different Spider-Man movies. Um, oh yeah. I mean like there, there were scenes in the trailer too for uh Spider-Verse that got cut out in the actual movie, but I, I feel like I saw him in the movie too. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I think it's great. It's, the number one Spider-Man movie for me, I think. I don't think it stands on its own enough. Um, that, that, that's, that's something that I really respect Spider-Man 3 for. It's, it's you know, there's no there's no buts about it. Spider-Man 3 is its own thing. <laughs> um, but, like, uh, you know, Spider-Verse, it, it's so re- heavily relies on all these tropes that I, I don't feel like I can put it at number one of any list. All right. I, I mean, I think that's fair. I, I also... I I really struggled picking Spider-Verse versus Homecoming, personally, for me. Okay. Because I, I just really loved... Like, these, for me, were movies where I felt a lot of emotions. Um, that, like... I, I felt that they were really powerful. Um, in the same way that, like, you felt a lot of emotion for, like, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, yeah, I think maybe like there's something in these movies where it just activates a certain part of my brain that's like fan knowledge because something about it being in, a, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe makes Homecoming feel like it's not its own thing because like Iron Man's there. And also there's so many references to like, you know, um, John Hughes movies that it's it's not its own thing. It's it's um it's a very cognitive experience for me to watch Homecoming. Okay. I think that's fair, but for me, like, all of the emotional beats, like, really add up. And, like, you know, like, everyone argues about, like, who their favorite Spider-Man is, who their favorite Peter Parker is. Um, Mm -hmm. And for me, I really do think it's, like, Tom Holland. Like, I think he just, like, nails the character in a way that, like stupid faced toby Maguire never does and that i think, I think, it's, he, I think it's tom hardy i think it's tom hardy <laughs> yeah he's the best spider-man <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, oh my yeah, gosh. but no, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's fine to compare like different Peter Parkers, but I think each of them is well defined enough within their own movie that they, you know, serve their own purposes. Sure, and sure. I don't really believe in comparing them to some sort of hypothetical, you know, what if Platonic the comic was directly ideal. translated onto screen? Yeah, I, I don't really care about stuff like that, but. Yeah, Tom I mean, I Holland. Think, I think he just nails every part of it. You know, like I, I, I like him. He's likable. He's so likable. I want to see it. But he's not sexy like Andrew Garfield. But he doesn't need to be sexy because he's like a high school kid. Like you know, he's sexy. And he's not as funny looking as as but Tobey Maguire. Genuinely, a thousand times more funny. Um, and like, and like, this is something that people do ding Andrew Garfield for in Amazing Spider-Man, which like isn't his fault. I think it's like the writing potentially, mm. um, is that a lot of the times he comes off as like kind of smarmy and a little bit of like a sarcastic asshole and not just as sarcastic, um, yeah, which but, like but Peter I, Parker in Homecoming, he's a nice kid. He's a nice kid. And like, he gets to have funny, sarcastic lines, but like, he also, like, I don't hate him for it ever. I'm never like, all right, that was a little mean, Peter, you know? Right. But everyone's kind of nice in that movie, including, like, Flash, which who's my favorite character in Homecoming. Because <laughs> he's the best. Flash is great in that movie. Finally, a relatable modern bully villain. Um... <laughs> but, like... Bullies, like, just don't exist in the context that they did in, like, the 60s. No. Like, this jock bully. Yeah. Like, I just don't even think they exist. But the but this kind of bully, who's actually just your friend, but, but he's just, an like, an asshole. asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, everyone kind of ostracizes him anyway, so he's not even, like, an effective bully. But I... I think I, that's very real yeah, in true life. Totally. Totally. Like, and, and I'll, I thank Homecoming for, like, this, is that... It definitely doesn't feel like, like, every high school movie is like, there's the clicks. But, like, that's never felt that particularly relevant to, like, my high school experience or, like... Well, I mean, you were you were in the, the drama click. Sure, sure. Like, I mean, like, there's the group of people that you hang out with, but, like, they also do other stuff, you know? Like, people in sure. drama also play tennis and, like... I see what you're saying. So, like, the popular are... girl also being in the academic decathlon along with the, you know, guy who's also into DJing along with the guy who's super into building Lego sets. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's true. That makes sense. And it's like, there's definitely like social casts. Like there are the popular people and like the people who have parties, but like it's less based on the fact that like, I'm the bitchy mean popular person and you're a gross goth bitch and we can never talk to each other it's like you do talk to these people you know like you you interact um and i don't know i i liked that part of the movie too yeah it, it also helps that they sort of establish it's like this smart people school it's a, like a magnet school so yeah i i was doing like a little bit of research on this um and i came across i think it was some article that was saying when um marvel went to make homecoming they like basically made a list of everything that we've already seen over and over again in a Spider-Man film. And we're like, let's not do that. Skip it. Um, let's skip it. So no Uncle Ben death. Great. Cool. Don't need to see it. We get it. We know Uncle Ben dies. <laughs> we've seen it twice in the last decade. Right. Um, 
there's no real love interest in this, which like I think is fine. It doesn't need it. It's not about Wait, that. Wait, what do you mean? There's absolutely a love interest. Well, there's like the love Well, there's a love interest, but it's like it's not about her being captured, you know. Um Right, like, they didn't do the a climax. damsel in distress. You're there's absolutely no, right. right. There's no damsel in distress. They don't um specifically have like a Gwen Stacy and like yes, there's the MJ reveal at the end, but like it's yeah, not they specifically what they wanted to do was avoid an arc that we already knew how it ends right because everybody has a cultural awareness of the mj arc and everyone has a cultural awareness of the gwen stacy arc but totally. no one knows who the fuck liz is right she's just a girl um yeah but that's all she like needs to be is like a a nice girl who's smart who's the object of peter's uh, crush yeah it's fine um, and I did like that. Like, it did feel like a high school crush and not like, this is the girl I'll marry, you know, like <laughs> fucking creepy Tobey Maguire, um, or stalker. Oh boy. Howdy. Yay. Oh, oh boy. Howdy. G Willikers. <laughs> um, find every possible way to say that over the course of this three parts. The fucking worst. Um, and, like, it, it was also a smaller story. Like, no one was kind of out to, like, destroy all of New York or, like, anything in the, in this one. Yeah, it was a heist. Go. Yeah, it was a heist. And then it was, like, he knows who I am. I've got to get rid of him. You know? Like, it, yeah. it's very personal stakes. Um, And, like... Yeah. This is also the only Spider-Man movie that I can think of where... Like, Spider-Man actually saves the villain from dying. Yeah. He doesn't kill him and or let him die. As far as Spider-Man tropes go and, like, avoiding them, this is a biggie, which is that Spider-Man in this one is actually a good guy and not just, like, a covert murderer. (laughs) Yeah, really. That's so you know there were no witnesses for that green goblin death we don't actually know if the the glider went into him on accident (laughs) or whether it was on purpose yeah you sure flipped real fast peter it's almost like you knew it was coming yeah maybe he dropped the sun on top of uh otto octavius and then came back and was like no he totally he sacrificed himself it was super heroic (laughs) (laughs) it was fine it was good he saves the bad guy he saves Michael Keaton. Yeah. One thing that um, people have also dinged this one for is the the spider suit and the fact that he gets it from Tony Stark. Um, How's that a ding? Well, people say, like, in this one, like, it has all these, like, gadgets and, like, it's basically, like, Iron Man Jr. And it's not really just, like, Spider-Man and his powers. And, like... I disagree. One, because I really like Karen as a character. I think it's a really smart narrative choice to give Peter to someone to sort of babble at um, and to, like, bounce off of even when he's alone. Um, So he's not just, like, monologuing at himself. It's definitely a good narrative device. I don't know if it's, like, something central to, like, what makes the movie work. No, I don't think it makes the movie work, but I like it. I think it, it does work. Yeah, I think it works in context, absolutely. And, like, the suit, I mean, like, the whole point is that he doesn't have the suit in the climax, and that's amazing. Exactly. And, like, and and it's a nice twist on the, like, with great power comes great responsibility. Like, at one point, Tony says to him, like, um, 
if you if you're if you're nothing without the, the suit, suit, then you shouldn't have it. Exactly. Yeah. Which like I, I, I think that's great. I really we'll like talk that. about this more in in next week where we're uh, spoiler alert. We're gonna be talking all about daddies, all the um, daddies, and father figures in Spider Man. <laughs> but um, I, I literally on any given day, I will just go onto YouTube and I'll type in the scene where Peter loses the suit or some variation <laughs> of that, and then I'll watch that scene just and then alone because it's not cry. I just like <laughs> clap. It's like it's just brilliant it's the best acted scene in the whole fucking mcu it is it's so good it's 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 really emotional and it's really powerful and and i i love it there might be one scene that's as well acted and that's the that's the other scene with peter parker and tony stark where he's uh spoiler alert for infinity war he goes mr stark i don't feel so good and then (laughs) And I then did... I cry, Hannah. Then okay. I cry. Okay, I will real quick. I did watch one, um, like some video essay about Spider Man, uh, and they were talking about the end of Spider Man three when Sandman sort of like dissolves, and they play that voice clip over it, and I did lose <laughs> it a little bit because that was pretty that is good. funny. Um, yeah. I wish I could remember what essay that was so I could credit it, but I watched a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Um, if you if you're if you're if you know who who it is, um, you know, give us a shout, tag them, yeah. let us know. Um, and then, like one last thing that I also like about the suit um, is the fact that it solves a problem that is not a problem in the comics. It's not a problem in animated films, but has been a problem in the last few, um, like in Amazing Where Spider-Man it's not believable. and Samurai. No, no, no. It's that. Um, the eyes don't move, <laughs> which yeah. which is a really simple thing when you sort of just say it. But like, like in the comics, so much of the Spider-Man expressiveness and like oomph comes from being able to like make his eyes narrow and widen, which like when you don't have a super technology suit. Of course they're not. You're just going to sort of, like, stand there. And that's why, like, the masks get ripped up or torn off, like, all the time in those movies. That we can see the actors, like, expressing. And then in this one, we don't need to do that because the suit can do it for us. Um, And then, of course, he loses the suit and it happens a couple of times. Um, But, yeah, I don't don't know. It's interesting, though. It's interesting, though, because, like... I, jumping to Spider-Verse, like, for just a second before sure. we jump back, like, Miles does take off that mask, like, a all lot. the time. He does. He's almost never wearing that mask. That's, that's true. Um, but, but I think uh, a lot of that yeah. has to do with him not feeling like he is Spider-Man. Like, sure. That, so by that, the end, once he's defined himself as Spider-Man, yeah, he's then he's able it. to really wear the mask. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a okay. big thing for him to really fully put it on. Um, All right. You want to talk about Vulture? Yeah. I think he's a pretty great villain. Yeah, I think he's the best villain in... Best motivation. Any of the any of the movies. He's at least so far. He's um, definitely one of up, the better Marvel villains in general, I kind of think. Um, like, he's not yeah, the best. Yeah, I, I think we listed him pretty highly on our, on our Marvel villains list. Yeah. He's got just, like, a really reasonable motivation... Um, he's got a political ideology that, you know, feels relevant to our times and 
it's I mean he just hates the rich fat cats, man. And I can yeah. I can relate to that. He wants yeah. to feed his family. But then he becomes a rich fat cat himself and thus lives long enough to see himself become the villain. Um Yep. And, and then go to jail. And that's fine. And like, I love that he just goes to jail. There's no yeah. other Marvel villains that just go to jail. Go to jail. Yep, exactly. Go into just... prison and then come out reformed. Well, and also he's like just a dude. Like he doesn't have like a superpower. Though I guess a lot of Marvel villains are kind of just dudes. Um, yeah. Though some of them. He's take an inventor. Super I mean, he he's got an inventor friend, but he's also pretty good with the technology. Yeah, his, yeah. His whole job was to salvage alien junk. Totally, and and I think honestly, it has one of the best. Like Homecoming has one of the best villain confrontation scenes. Like in the car. Like the twist, yeah. Like the the scene in the car is so tense, and like Peter showing up because well, it just doorstep. feels real. And just like. <laughs> watching them like one Peter knows the whole time, but like watching the vulture, like slowly realize that this kid is like fucking Spider-Man, the like guy he's been trying to kill the whole time. It's just, yeah. Like it's such good acting. Like Michael Keaton. And he also has to learn that his daughter has been fucking Spider-Man. Well, they're clearly not fucking, but sure. But like the whole thing that, makes the scene work is just the reality of if you've ever been in the same room as like an, an old dad. man whose daughter is just starting to date like they're not friendly <laughs> yeah i don't know it's just it's good i like all of the side characters in this they're all really fun ned ned is great mj i kind of want ned to turn into a villain in like the third or fourth spider-man movie just just like as a joke like as like a parody of harry osborne (laughs) i mean here's the thing i wouldn't mind like a ron weasley type of character arc for him where like he gets a little jealous of spider-man but like 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 i think that could have some merit but i I don't know i don't want i want him to join the villain. villain and then like um, shave his head because he shaved his head for a different movie. Oh my god! And I want him to like wear a mask, and he calls himself like the the Ned Venger or something. <laughs> I don't know. The Ned Venger, I love it. Um, Marvel, are you listening? We're here. <laughs> but yeah, and and like I don't know. I like the entire debate team. Like they're all really fun and cute. I like. All of the scenes in the high school, I like the, like, it's just a high school coming of age movie that also has superpowers. And like, and I don't know, I think they do a really good job of having that coming of age narrative feel really fresh for a Spider-Man movie, Um, especially when we've seen it like five times over already, you know? And most of it just works because of Tony, I think... Tony is so important to this movie. I think Tony does a great job. Um, is there anything about this movie you hate? Because there's something I hate. Um, I don't think so. I just, you know, it just doesn't inspire as strong emotions in me. Is is like that was my main point from the beginning. It's just that's, like that's it's fair. a very cognitive experience to watch this movie. Um, I just like like I'm just like the oh the craft oh the talent clap claps <laughs> for everyone. Fair enough. What do you hate? Um, I hate Aunt May. She's garbage. I hate her. Well, she's just not like a very like real presence. No, she's uh, I don't like I don't like this like hot mom thing that they're doing. 
like it's it doesn't feel fun it doesn't feel important i don't get it it's just like dumb um and but it I doesn't hate... interfere with the movie in any way like there's they never interrupt like a different scene to i i think the reason it's there a little bit is because it creates some distance between may being like this like wise motherly figure so that like really he only has Tony to kind of like look to as a parental figure. But that's not true at all. When what? he's when he's when he's when he loses the suit, yeah. He actually gets to be comforted by his mom. And when the mother, you know, when they're having that dinner together, it's like Chinese food or something. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's like a really touching connective moment between I don't know. Them. It just feels like his weird older teenage sister more than like a mom and I don't like it. I don't know. Well, the whole thing, you know, I think it's supposed to be like she's kind of on his level. But I don't um, like it. And like that's that's how their relationship has worked since since like Uncle Ben died because they're just, you know, they're just all alone in the world. I don't know. It just doesn't interfere with the movie to me. Like, Maybe it doesn't interfere, but I just I just don't like it. I don't like that everyone calls attention to how hot she is. Like, I'm just not into the like MILF trope. Like, it's gross to me. So you're not into MILFs. I mean, I get it. <laughs> Like, like I get that they exist. Like, fine. Fuck yeah, you some gotta hot get. Moms. You gotta get that some people like milfs. Like, I get it. Like, sometimes I'm like, all right, there's that's a little bit of dilf. I see it, but like, there's a just... lot of dilf in this movie, and so they gotta balance it out with some milf. Ugh, ugh, ugh. I don't like it. Everyone else loves this Aunt May. I hate it. Everyone's wrong. And then some vilf, which is the which is the vulture. <laughs> <Some> milf. <laughs> I just like the, um, the 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 twist reveal partially because it made me feel really racist. I mean, yeah, that's like totally what it is. Because like I am racist, but <laughs> but also like the the reveal where I was like, oh my god, the the mixed race girl has a white father. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Yeah. <laughs> like like that's the twist. That's not the twist. <laughs> But in my, like, racist brain, that's the twist. <laughs> it's a good, that, not that part of the twist, but the twist that the love interest dad is the villain is the good twist. Not the racial aspects of that twist. Uh, yeah, and, and I do sort of like the way that, that um, Homecoming acts is kind of like, a cautionary tale about hubris, um, which, like, as you were saying before, like, Spider-Man movies are about hubris and, like, being too big for your britches, and it's like, Peter's gotta earn his britches and figure out what he can handle and what he can't and when to ask for help and, like, when not and when to stay out of it, and I, I don't know. I like it. I mean, to be fair, just, like, it works with the way that, like, it's structured because you kind of, like your brain misses the part where, oh, wait, he solves the problem by doing exactly what he did for all all other points in the movie. What do you mean? Just going off on his own, not listening to, to Tony and just getting himself into danger. Yeah, but he proves himself that he's capable of handling it. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Right, but he thought he was capable of handling the other things, too, and some of the other things seemed like less big issues. Yeah. You know? And he wasn't able to handle those. Yeah. So, you know, the arc kind of doesn't work in that way. But this is the thing, like, if it was a more emotionally driven movie, I think maybe I could turn my brain off. But it's just mostly, like, a fun romp. And so my brain doesn't turn off. My brain's wholly activated. Mm. 
All right. And just like pick up on these things like, well, he doesn't really fulfill this character arc by like lifting a building up off of his back. Like it just it's a visually interesting thing. Yeah. But it doesn't really say anything about his emotions. Yeah. L- let's talk about Spider-Verse a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, whereas you said that um, you know, Homecoming is about crossing everything off the list that's been done before. Spider-Verse is about doing everything that's been done before at all, ever, yep. in a Spider-Man movie, or in a <laughs> Spider-Man comic, or in anything related to Spider-Man. Yeah. We have to check off all the boxes rather than crossing off all the things we don't need to do again. Totally. Um, I, I think for this one, the reason that, like, I put it as number one is because, like, I cried during this movie. And I didn't cry. I didn't cry. I cried at the end. Where they're at like, the end? yeah, where they're like, anyone can wear the mask, and like this is like this is the all inclusive Spider Man film in every sense of the word, you know? Sure. Like we got cartoon pigs, we got fifties noir, we've got anime Penny Parker, we've got two different white Peter Parker dudes from Queens. We've got black Miles Morales from Brooklyn. We've got spider Gwen, Gwen Stacy as spider woman. Like we've got all the spider people and like, Oh yeah. It's, it's, I mean, for sure. It's great. And like, I feel like it really, like the whole thing is miles not feeling adequate and feeling like he can't take on this burden from Peter Parker. And he can't take on this, like, he can't, he's not worthy of the mask. Um, and he doesn't know right. how to control his powers. And then by the end of the film, he, he's gained some confidence and he's in himself and in his teammates and is able to, to wear the mask. And it literally ends with like, I'm wearing the mask and so can you, like anyone yeah, can take on great responsibility, you know? It doesn't really make any sense because he was bitten by a radioactive spider. Sure. And I wasn't. But, like, they're saying... So I'm not going to stop Kingpin. But anyone could be bitten by a radioactive spider. It was random chance. Yeah, but not anyone could stop Kingpin. But maybe if you're bitten by a radioactive spider, you can. Sure. With a little help from your friends. That's true. I don't know. I I think it's interesting. Like, in the same way that... Miles is scaffolded by the other Spider-Man into, you know, discovering like its own his own identity. The movie is kind of the same way. It's scaffolded by all these older movies that we already recognize all the tropes for, so it doesn't have to spend too much time on any one thing. Yeah. Like we never learn where this particular radioactive spider comes from. No, but we also find it crawling around the sewers around the, like, universe machine. So, like, like we don't... Well, yeah, but it's not suggested in any way that that's the, the reason. Sure. And it's, like, we, we don't spend any time on the, like, we don't waste any time on, you know... Where did it come from? A bunch from? of back and forth as to whether Prowler is going to kill, um, you know, whether Prowler is going to kill... Uh, spider-man it's 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 sort of decided right then and there yeah um as soon as we have a confrontation between them the decision is made and then the the fallout is dealt with in that he dies yeah 
and all of that happens in like two seconds. And then immediately we're in the next beat of the story, which is where the policeman thinks that Spider-Man is a murderer. Mm -hmm. And like, that's a beat that we've seen in other Spider-Man movies as well. Totally. And then we go right from that beat to the lowest point beat. Mm -hmm. Like it's all within like three minutes. I I don't think it's three minutes. Like five minutes between like the death of, uh, of uncle Aaron. Get it. And the lowest point. I don't get it. What? It's it's another biblical Uncle name. Uncle Aaron, not Uncle Ben. Yeah. It's A versus B. Sure. Sounds good. Uh, um. Um. Yeah, but I think like you know the the idea that we don't have to dwell on these beats, we don't have to introduce these characters. We know who Mary Jane is. We know who Aunt May is. We don't have to introduce them really. Right. Like we have an idea of who Gwen is, even though she's kind of a different version of Gwen in this. But like that's fine because there's a twenty right. different versions of Peter in this too. Um, right. And I th- and I think the like. The side characters could have been so one note. Like this could have so easily gotten away from them. They're pretty one note. Like they're they're one note, but it kind of got away from but them. But they're not. I don't. I don't think it did. Like I don't know. Like they were funny. I thought each one of them was very funny. I think they each had. Well, Penny just... wasn't that funny or interesting. No, she. Uh, yeah, she was a little underdeveloped for my taste. Um, like, they could have gone really full on with the anime jokes, which I think would have been the, the way to go. <laughs> but they didn't. They kind of held back because they were like, well, maybe people will like her as a character. Mm. But she didn't, like, have much of a she character. She wasn't even, like, animated that well, personally, which felt like no. a tragedy for how beautifully animated the rest of but, this was. But Peter Porker looks fucking good. Peter Porker looked amazing. John Mulaney was the brilliant <laughs> casting choice of the decade. Like, fight me about this. No one else could have played that. Like, it was what he was born to do. Someone else could have played it, but it, it wouldn't have been as good. It was what John Mulaney... could have gotten Gilbert Godfrey. It would have been it weird. It would have been very weird. Like, that is what John Mulaney was put on this earth to do, is to play Peter Porker in a Spider-Man film. Like, it was perfect. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I really thought Nick Cage stole the show. I oh, thought he was so funny. He did so good. He was excellent. Another perfect casting choice. You ever watch a match burn down to your fingers? <laughs> like, it was that perfect, like, melodrama that he's, like, so jokingly beloved for. Mixed with jokes about being in black and white and yeah. how he loves Rubik's Cubes. It was, oh, it, oh, the Rubik's Cubes jokes. Those were very good. Um... <laughs> Yeah. It's it's very simple. Like the things that work in this movie work because they're just so obvious. But I think and the that's things fine. that I feel like Right. For me the things that don't work are just the parts where in any other movie they would have been developed more, you know? The villain motivation and like how his organization functions. Uh, I but mean, it's just kinda like glossed over. It was glossed over, but I don't think we needed more to like Exactly, enjoy but it's just like in in any other movie, that would have been at least connected in some way to the hero's journey. In this, it just isn't. Yeah. You just get some visual symmetry with the scene on the um, on the train oh, yeah. and the scene uh, that's you know the the original flashback. There's some like visual symmetry there, but other than that, you know, like 
there's no connection made between what Kingpin wants and what Miles wants. Right. And, like, what Miles wants is also pretty vague. He just sort of has, like, a, a sense of duty just because, I guess, like, that's how his parents raised him. Because he's just, like, a Good genuinely kid. dutiful yeah. kid who wants to mm-hmm. save the world. Like, he wants to protect his family, but he doesn't have a desire to be Spider-Man. He doesn't have an I want moment, you know? I feel like he does. What is it? What does he want? Well, like, I mean, I guess he does just sort of have this, like, great responsibility, like, thrust upon him and is is kind of just, like, overwhelmed. But, like, I think he he wants to be understood by his father, which I guess he doesn't really get necessarily in this film. I mean, he gets that scene where he's tied up, which is a great scene. Yeah. And it stands, like, it, it resolves the arc that he has, and then, like, the um, the payoff is that he, you know, says, I love you, as Spider-Man. Yeah. You know? Like, that's the payoff right. for the resolution that happens when he's all tied uh-huh. up. But, like, like, that's the thing, right? Like, it's not a very clearly defined arc. It's just the arc of becoming Spider-Man, which is an arc we've seen before. But what makes this one interesting is that it's done with all of those other movies in mind. And it's questioning the very, like, foundation of, you know, what makes a superhero different from any other superhero, whatever is unique to that person. I don't know. I think I think that's valuable. I don't know. It's, it's just not my favorite because it just relies so heavily on those other tropes, those other movies. I, I mean, I think I think that's fine. I think I like it for that exact reason. You know, yeah, I, it just it's never going to stand above something like Spider-Man three that is completely genre defining in that everyone hates it. And I love it <laughs> or or Amazing Spider-Man two, which is just such a, you know, clusterfuck of new things that have never been done before. Right. Whereas this is a clusterfuck of things that have been done before purposefully organized into this collage Oh, God, this movie is so fucking pretty. Can we just so talk about how pretty? pretty. I it's the prettiest movie. I saw it in 3D and I don't normally see movies in 3D but like this was a good movie to see in 3D you know I didn't see it in 3D or IMAX I saw it in regular ass <laughs> theater with style with your plain old boring gorgeous. eyes is is pretty man it reminds me of like the editing reminded me a lot of like Edgar Wright yes. like Scott Pilgrim yeah there was a lot of really fast frenetic cuts with like really good sound editing like whoever did the sound mixing on Absolutely. this was like good they deserve some award man it was so good was it Post Malone did Post Malone do maybe it? who knows um yeah like that's like a really good point. It it did feel very like Edgar Wrighty. Um and like the way music was used in it was also I think really well done and really fun. Um like yeah. I, I liked the soundtrack for this, which is like not something that I've really paid attention to in really any of the other Spider Man films, you know, like it's something I paid attention to in Black Panther as well as yeah, that, but like yeah, that was another great year. soundtrack. Um, but like you know, Sam Raimi's got freaking Danny Elfman, Danny Elfman ending it up, and yeah, <laughs> and you know, Amazing Spider-Man two or Amazing Spider-Man like I don't know, they played Coldplay. Didn't really have a memorable soundtrack. No. They just, like, played some pop songs and called it a day. 
And then they added dubstep in the second right. one. Right. And then they had the itsy bitsy spider joke, which was bad, but it's fine. Yep. That was funny. I, to each, you laughed. To, I did not. I groaned audibly. I bet you did. I bet you groaned laughed. No, it was just pain. <laughs> You'll never convince me to like Spider-Man 2, but it's fine. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. Love Spider-Verse, love Homecoming. Venom's a shit show, but it's so fun. Right. I, I, the future of Spider-Man, the, the trailer just dropped yes. for home, uh, Far the from home. Spider-Man Far From yeah. Home. So we know he we know he comes back. I mean duh. But they might be doing the there's two different universes thing. Or they might be killing Tony. One of those two things, because he's not in this movie. Oh. Alright, let's let's take a hot second to just like speculate. <laughs> uh I think they should do the two universes thing where all, the half of the characters that died end up in one universe, and the other half end up in another oh, universe. Oh, that would be very interesting. I hadn't thought about that. And so then that. you just have all of the like more minor characters that they killed off from the Avengers movie. They all you know, can have their own movies, and then all of the old characters, the old, um, the, like the old Avengers, they'll all be stuck in their own universe... And maybe they'll get happy endings, and we won't make any more movies with them. Um, no, they're all gonna die, which is fine. And then I don't think they're all gonna die. Yeah. I think some of them are gonna get happy endings, and some of them are gonna die. I I think Captain America is gonna die. I think Tony Stark's gonna die. I think Thor and Banner are gonna get happy endings. Uh, I have no idea about Natasha. I think. I think I think Tony's gonna get a happy ending because he's gotta have a kid with Penny or what's her name Pepper. Pepper. I mean, do they gotta? I mean, they don't gotta, but I mean, it's like it's a Hollywood movie. You want to have a happy ending for your main character? Yeah, but I I think and Tony is a main character if nothing. I else. think the happy ending is like them passing on the mantle to all the new Avengers, which is Spider Man and Black Panther and what have you. Listen, all I'm saying is we didn't see any characters in the Spider Man Homecoming trailer who weren't in the Soul Stone. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's all I'm saying. That's that's fair. We didn't see any characters that that explicitly didn't disappear when Thanos snapped his fingers. That's that's fair. Um, maybe Captain Marvel when that comes out will help clear some of this up a little bit. No, I don't think. I think they're gonna try and keep everything a secret until Avengers comes out. I mean, but in any case, I mean, yeah. Far from home. Far from home looks like. Kind of just a rehash of Homecoming, but Mysterio looks really cool. Yeah. Um, let us know if you want us to talk about it. Uh, we probably will anyway, so don't worry. <laughs> yeah. We might, it might not get its own episode, but we'll, we'll definitely know, talk sure. about it. It'll come yeah. up. That's just how it is. It's Spider-Man. It seeps into every conversation. All right. Well, stay tuned for next week, y'all, when we're going to talk about all the daddy issues in Spider-Man, because there's a lot of them, and we couldn't fit it into mm. the, like, three hours that this already is <laughs> right so i can't wait to to talk about my favorite spider daddy see you later spider babies bye